Man, that was a great song. That's what Barnabas saw when he got to Antioch. He saw grace. Look for grace in, uh, in lives. Hey, freshman, you got this. One week down. And it's not that far until Thanksgiving and um, all of that. You've got this. It's all right. And uh, don't let the devil make you undo and doubt what God has done in faith. You've come to this place by faith. You're okay. Um, just look at the seniors and see those dead looks on their faces. And just remember, you too will go that way. And uh, no, it's great. There is a great spirit on this campus. I was walking around last night and I went over by the volleyball courts and it was amazing. They didn't pick me up for the game. And um, uh, I didn't get to play volleyball over there, but I was ready. Um, but nobody picked me up. And so I, was, I just went back to my room and, and thought, well, that's okay. Um, one of these days they'll have a senior citizens league or something and I can do that. But anyway, but there's just a great spirit talking to the students and then this morning just kind of walking around in revels and getting coffee. And I want to say uh, there is a fantastic spirit and uh, I am so grateful for what God's doing here at West Coast. And uh, it's been a blessing to our family. My girls, uh, Deanna and Brianna, graduated here. Brandon is here from our church in Colorado. Um, his dad works on our staff and just thankful for the investment of, uh, of this place in our lives. And we're, we're just grateful for all the staff and faculty. Thank you for being faithful, for uh, letting the Lord use you. It's not an easy task to, uh, to, to be in a college and uh, to run a college and to put up with you. But somebody's got to do it, and I'm glad that they did it. Um, and so, anyway, it's great. Take your Bibles and look at 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. One of the things that I've always tried to make uh, <clears throat> uh, people understand in my ministry through the years is that the Bible is connected all the way through. And one of the great things that you'll learn is that the Bible is God's word and from Genesis to Revelation it is God's word all the way through and everything is connected uh, a couple of years ago I was preaching a week of camp uh, in Louisiana and I got involved in some volleyball games and and, um, and and participated in that then I went to the pool and I was with the with all the guys in the pool we played basketball in the pool and I mean I had this big day of just doing a lot of, of arm movements over my head uh, Brother Getch, it was one of those volleyball tournaments. They just asked me to participate on one of the staff teams against this uh, bunch. Of, it was a, a round-robin tournament, and I got on fire. I had an overhand serve that was just, I mean, it was Olympic style. Um, it was, I mean, ace, 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 ace. I felt so bad for those other kids over there on the other side. I mean, they were like five years old, and they couldn't return anything. But I was on fire. Anyway, I went to the pool, played basketball over there, and man, I had a great day, and it was just fun to be in camp and serving, and, and I got over to the dining hall, and I was serving tables, and, and just getting to know everybody, and just, man, it was great. Got to my room, I showered, changed, got ready for the evening service, preached, and God met with us, and it was a wonderful night. I went back to my room, and I'm sleeping, and I wake up at 2.30, and I was on fire. Like, like I thought my serve was on fire, well, my shoulder was on fire. I could not move. I got out of bed and I thought, man, what is wrong with me? I, I went, over to, uh, went over to the bathroom and, and uh, turned on the mirror and I'm looking and I'm thinking, you know, did, did, I, did I sever it in the middle of the night? You know, what? Uh, I mean, it just, I have never experienced pain like that. I took some medicine. 
I tried to go back to sleep. I couldn't sleep. The next morning I got up. I'm trying to iron my shirt. I couldn't get the iron. I couldn't push the iron with my right arm. I mean, it was dead. For three months, I would have to take my, my shirt and put my shirt on with my arm down here. I could barely button. I, I had to learn to comb my hair with my left hand. and I mean, just I couldn't lift this arm above my shoulder. Well, we were going to SLC, Asia, and we were flying down there. And I, I got to Asia, and, and I preached a session, and one of, the, one of the Filipino missionaries came to me, and he said, uh, Brother Miller, what's wrong with your arm? And I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I just, it's been months. I can't lift this arm above my shoulder. He said, well, when you're preaching, you're, you're doing like this. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't look natural, you know? And, uh, and I said, uh, well, it doesn't feel natural. I mean, my arm is killing me. He goes, come with me. And he puts me in his vehicle, and we drive through Manila. That in itself um, is a, a death trap. And we get through Manila, and he takes me over to this neighborhood, um, if you can call it that, and there's these little huts and buildings, and there's chickens running in and out everywhere, and he takes me in, and he goes, hey, he said, when we talk to, and he called the lady's name, I don't remember her name, when we talk to her, don't tell her what's wrong with you. I said, oh, okay. So we go in, and there's this, there's like literally, it's this little tiny shack, and there's a table in there. And he says, okay, sit down on the table. So I sit on the table, and he said, don't tell her what's wrong with you. And he leaves. And this little old lady comes in behind the curtain. And I don't know how old this lady was, but she's been practicing medicine for like 400 years. She walks in the curtain, and she's like, um, uh, take off your shoes and socks. And so I take off my shoes and socks. And she said, lay down. And she starts working on my feet. And she's touching, you know, I'm like, ooh, that tickles, you know. And she's working. And all of a sudden, she put her thumb between my middle toe and my ring. I guess it's a ring toe. I don't know what that, I don't know what you call that. But, you know, you know, this is your ring finger, you know, on your toes, you know. This little piggy went to the market. This little piggy stayed home. It's the one that went wee, wee, wee. I guess it's that one. She put her thumb in between that thing, and she pushed on that. And I came off the table. I was going to punch her. I'm like, ah, and she, I said, don't do that again. And she laughed. She goes, ah, you have frozen shoulder. I said, excuse me? She said, you have frozen shoulder. I said, okay, well, whatever that is, that's fine, but don't do that again. She said, oh, no, you lay down. <laughs> and uh, I lay down, and she went right back to that spot. And I went, don't do it. And she said, it's okay, you can say bad words. <laughs> and, I said, I can't say bad words, but, but, but I wanted to say bad words. And I was holding the bed, and she was just digging into this. And she worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And then she came up, and she said, okay, take your hands, put them out, and then clap like this, and clap like this, and put your hands up, and put them behind your back. I mean, all of a sudden, like, I could do jumping jacks. It was amazing. She did something on my foot never touched my shoulder. I don't know what kind of voodoo that is, but it worked. But what I found out is that, you know, the whole body, everything's connected. And in the Word of God, everything is connected. So when you come to a story like what we're going to read in just a moment in 2 Chronicles 29, this has everything to do with life in Lancaster, California in 2021. Look at the Bible. We're going to jump back very quickly to chapter 28, and I want you to see in verse, number, in verse number 22, and in the time of his distress, 
did he trespass yet the more against the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. This was the legacy of Ahaz, that in a time of distress, he trespassed more against the Lord. You know what we've seen in our country in the last, uh, in the last year as America has gone into distress, political distress, we had COVID, uh, all of a sudden our cities began to burn, we began to have more and more sin, we saw the promotion of transgenderism and all the wokeism and all the racism and all the things that were coming out. And in America, in our distress, we did trespass yet the more. And notice what Ahaz did in verse number 23, for he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him. And he said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore will I sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him. Idolatry is the ruin of anyone. You say, well, Brother Miller, we're not, we're not idolatrous in our world today. We don't have statues. And Well, let me ask you a question. Is there anything in your life that you love more than Jesus? Is there anything that you spend more time with than the Lord? Is there anything that you fear more than God? Well, anything that you love more, spend more time with, or fear more is an idol to you. I don't know what that idol in your life is, but it was the ruination of Israel and Ahaz. And notice what he did. In verse number 24, and Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. Think about this. The city of God, in every corner of Jerusalem, there was an altar and a sacrifice to a false god. You know, I think sometimes in our own lives, we've got little corners. We've got corners of our lives where there are things that we're sacrificing to, we're giving more time to, we're giving more attention to, giving more affection to, making sacrifices for more than we're making sacrifices to God. And notice what he did. The Bible says in verse number 24 that he... He shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. He shut the doors. Now watch this. Ahaz shut the doors of the house of the Lord. Then he made altars in every corner. Now look at chapter 29, verse 1. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old. And he reigned 9 and 20 years old in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He said uh, to the priests, he brought the priests and Levites and gathered them together in the east street and said unto them, hear, ye, hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves in the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord <clears throat> our God and have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs 
and they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, to hissing, as to see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. It is now in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, now watch this. This is for you, college student. My sons, be not now negligent. For the Lord hath chosen you. Everybody look at me for a minute. How many of you are saved? I want you to say with me right now, I'm chosen. The book of Ephesians, the book of Romans clearly talks about how he chose you before the foundation of the world to redeem you, to conform you to the image of his son. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praises of him which hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, abstain from every, from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Listen to me. This is what Peter uh, laid out for all of us, is that we are the chosen. We're a royal priesthood. And do not be negligent, my sons. Do not be negligent. Do not be negligent. It was through neglect that the temple became filthy. It was through neglect that Ahaz boarded up the doors and nailed the doors of the temple. It was through neglect that they began to worship other gods. Listen to me. When you begin to ne neglect God, you'll begin to receive other gods. When you neglect to worship your God, you'll begin to worship other gods. I'm going to tell you today how Israel had a mighty revival. And I want to tell you how you can stay in a spirit, a constant spirit of revival through this school year. What you're going to need to remember is that the temple in the Old Testament was a real place where people came to worship God. But the temple of the Old Testament is a massive object lesson for you. The Bible says that the things that were done aforetime were done for our example. They were done as a, a way to teach us an example, a learning for all of us. So when you read the Old Testament, don't just think that they're just abstract stories here and there. No, they're all connected. And they're all connected to the coming Christ and his salvation. And they're going to be examples to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, this temple was a place where they worshiped God. And I want you to understand something. In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, God has a people for his temple. You know, it always makes me wonder what it's going to be like when I get to heaven. I want to, I want to talk to these people. I want to go to David and say, David, what was it like? Tell me what you were really feeling when you walked down that valley and you had those stones in your pouch and you were going to be glad. What was that like? And I think David's going to say, no, no, Dean, Dean, please sit down right here. That, that was amazing how God did that. But 
Let me ask you something. Yeah, David, what do you want to ask me? What was it like to have God living in you? What, what was it like to have God dwell in you every day? Everywhere you went, to have the glory of God in you? What, what was it like? A Abraham, Abraham, tell me about Mount Moriah. No, 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 Dean, 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 Dean. Tell me about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered what that day is going to be like when you meet the Old Testament saints and they inquire of you what was it like for your body to be the temple of God and see this is an object lesson to us that we are his temple and through neglect the temple gets shut up and filthiness comes in the glory moves out hey listen to me very carefully look at me when you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves in. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not the same as the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you got saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit in you. But now as you grow, the Holy Spirit gets more of you. See, to be filled with the Spirit. You remember the apostles? The apostles were filled with fear. It meant that they were controlled with fear. Uh, one man was filled with indignation. He was controlled with indignation. But to be filled with the Spirit is to be under the control of the Spirit. He has you. You see, the Holy Spirit's not a liquid, and you a vessel, and you have so much. You know, you're half a tank or full. Or... No, the Holy Spirit is a person. Hey, have you ever, you ever been at home, and you're just sitting around the house with your family, and all of a sudden... Somebody knocks on the door or rings the doorbell. Now, when I was a kid, that was an exciting moment. When I was a kid and somebody knocked on our door, all of us kids were like, I'll get it, and we're running to the door. Because if we had guests stop over, mom was going to put on coffee and mom was going to bring out some stuff that she had saved when guests came over, stuff that we couldn't eat. But if guests came, we got to eat that. And so we were all running the door, I'll get it, woo, man, we're opening the door, hey, you know, come in. And today, somebody knocks on your door and everybody's like, down, <laughs> who is it? Susan, stop it, army crawl, hold the dog. I mean, everybody's like freaking out. You're looking out, you're checking your phone for the ring camera. Who is it? Oh, it's just the Amazon guy. Okay, all clear. But have you ever had somebody stop by your house unannounced? And you're like, hey, what are you doing? And everybody in the back is like throwing stuff under the couch and into the bathroom and into closets. And no, no, come in, come in. Yeah, welcome. And you got them in the foyer, you know, the little entryway. And you're like, you know, like, hey, what are you guys doing? We just in the neighborhood want to stop by. Okay, yeah. Hey, you got anything to drink? Oh, okay, sure. And so you make sure that it's all clear in the living room and you bring them in, you set them down. And then you always say something like this. Yeah, I'll get you some, I'll get you some tea or coffee or whatever. Make yourself at home. 
And then you go in the kitchen to make them something, and what would happen if you came back out and they were gone? Like, uh, Bill, hello, where are you? And, and you can't find him. You start walking through the house. Bill? And you hear him up in your bedroom. And he's just like, open your closet, going through your dresser drawers. You're like, Bill, what are you doing? Oh, you said make myself a home. I'm just looking for something comfortable to slip into. And I go, well, Bill, you can't be in here. You see, let me tell you something. You're, you're a temple, and the Holy Spirit's a person. And when you got saved, he came in the house. The problem is that sometimes we don't let him go to every corner. We, we don't give him the key to every closet. Is the Holy Spirit allowed in your entertainment room? Is the Holy Spirit allowed in your relationship room? Uh, where's the Holy Spirit... Where, where are the places in your life that he doesn't control? Now, I'm going to show you, young people, listen to me. Here's the key to a victorious school year. You need to understand that you are the temple of God. And I want to show you how this revival starts in your life. The Bible says in chapter 29 and verse number 3 that in the first, reign, first year of his reign, in the first month, the first thing he did, the priority that he had, where it started was he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. You understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you only have two doors into your house, your eyes and your ears. This is the inward. That's why the apostle said in Acts chapter 3, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What's coming out of us is what has come in us. You have two gateways into your life. That's why the Bible says very clearly, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God saith to the churches. All through the New Testament, have spiritual ears to hear. James said in James 1.19, he said, wherefore laying aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and with meekness receive the, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. James is saying, take the filthiness out. It's interesting that the root word of that word filthiness is literally earwax. It is a spiritual earwax. James is saying, take out the earwax so that you can hear the word of God, that it can get down and you can welcome it into your heart. You know, we can sit in chapel like this and you hear chapel messages all week long. You have a Bible as a textbook. You go to church on Sunday. You're around the word of God all the time. But are you really opening the doors so that it gets in? Are we really hearing? Are the doors open? Where the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Make sure you keep, do not neglect this. You keep the doors open. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the still small voice. Listen to his leadership. Listen to the word. Listen to him as he leads you and guides you. Number two, I want you to see in verse number four, the Bible says, and he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street and said to them, hear, hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord your God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of this place. Look at verse 16, please. He says in verse 16, and the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness and they found that they found in the temple of the, of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord and the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the Brook Kidron. 
The call here first, the start was to open the doors. Get your eyes open. Be looking for the Lord. Get your ears open. Be hearing. Let the Word of God come in. Let what you see and let it affect your heart. Let what you hear get into your heart. Let the Word of God. Get in the Word of God every day. Get in the Word of God every day. Let it dwell in you richly. Open the doors of the temple. And then I want to say something. Sanctify yourself. Sanctify yourself. That is a setting apart and a cleansing. And notice where they went in verse 16. They went into the innermost part of the temple. You know what that's called? The Holy of Holies. Do you know what the Holy of Holies is in you? It is your spirit. Now you look around today. Just, just kind of look around. We've all kind of sanctified our outer court. The outer man is sanctified pretty well. We, we do a pretty good job of keeping the outer court looking nice. But let's go into the Holy of Holies where God dwells in your spirit. Is there anything in your spirit that is not like Christ? See, listen to me very carefully. It was that inner court, that Holy of Holies where the Shekinah glory came, where God dwelt. On the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubims at the mercy seat, the Shekinah glory came. God dwelt there. You know where God dwells in you? He dwells in your spirit. When you got saved, he gave you a new spirit, a place where he lives. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who is the glory of God? It's Jesus Christ. And so when he saved you, God put his glory, his spirit, Christ in you to be formed in you, in your spirit. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything in your spirit that is not Christ-like today? Is there anger? Is there pride? Is there bitterness? Is there hypocrisy? Is there a love of pleasure? Is there a laziness? Is there anything in your spirit, in your inner man? You see, Paul said our outward man perisheth, but our inward man is renewed day by day. We're filled with the Spirit of God day by day. The inward man, the inward man, the inward man, the inward man, the inward man. And I'm telling you, we're doing well at making sure that the outside is sanctified. But listen, young people, you've got to sanctify the inner man. Clean out anything in your spirit that is not Christ-like. Carry it out. Take it to the brook Kidron and let it go. Let it be washed and cleansed and carried away and covered. There's a sanctifying that comes. If you want to have a revival this year, it's got to start. You've got to open the doors of the temple. There's got to be a sanctifying on the inner man. Anything in your life that is displeasing to the Lord, let the Lord take it out, cleanse it, carry it away, and cover it in that brook Kidron. Look at verse number 20. Then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bullocks and seven rams and seven lambs and seven he goats for a sin offering for the kingdom and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. And they killed those bullocks and they offered them. Notice in verse number 22 there, it says, and they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They killed also the lambs and they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. Now, why all the sevens? Seven lambs, seven rams, seven. Why all the sevens? Well, seven is the number of perfection and completion. These were Old Testament sacrifices that pointed to the perfect and complete sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the ultimate sin offering. And it was that sacrifice of Christ that cleansed the filthiness of the temple. Oh, listen to me, young people. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship one with another, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to me. We need to make sure that we're walking in the cleansing of the blood of Christ. There was one perfect sacrifice. It is once and for all. Sin has been defeated. You can carry that filthiness out of your temple. If there's sin in your life today, on the authority of the blood of Christ, you can carry that out and it can be cleansed and washed. And then on that sacrifice, predicated by that sacrifice, look at verse number 24. And the priest killed them and they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. And the king commanded that the burnt offerings and the sin offerings should be made for all Israel. You see, these sacrifices were made, first of all, that perfect sacrifice which shows the atoning work of Christ and his cleansing of sin. But then on they continued to sacrifice. We'll see later in the chapter in just a minute. They continued to sacrifice. And this is where you as a priest, predicated on the, the, the finished work of Christ, because of his blood and his sacrifice, now you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now in Hebrews 13, you present your praise as a sacrifice to God. You live in a sacrificial way. Listen to me. If you're going to have a great year this year, you're going to live in a spirit of revival, it's going to take sacrifices to God. You're not sacrificing it for the college. You're not sacrificing it for anyone else. You make, make sure that what you're doing is sacrifice to God. And there's a sacrifice that you're making. You know what, young people? You're not here for your parents. You're not here for the faculty. You're not here for your friends. Your life is to be a living sacrifice for Christ. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let me finish with this. Let me show you this. If you're going to have a great year this year and live in victory, look at verse 25. You get the doors of your temple open and you begin to hear the Lord. Listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the word of, of God this year. And get your life set apart and sanctified. Let the Lord cleanse you daily, 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 daily. Let him cleanse you daily. Get anything out of that spirit and out of that holy place that is unlike the Lord Jesus Christ. And let, let that life of Christ live in you. You make those sacrifices. You give them to the Lord. Give yourself wholly to the Lord. And then look at verse 25. And he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with psalteries, with harps, according to the commandment of David and of Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet, for so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophet. The Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets, and Hezekiah commanded to offer burnt offerings upon the altar. And the burnt offerings began, and the song of the Lord began also with the trumpeters and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Let me tell you something. There is an offering of praise and singing to our God. If you're going to have a successful year this year, when you have have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you richly and your life is clean, listen to me, you sing songs to God in praise. Don't, 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 don't overlook this. Don't think that this is some small thing. All through the scripture it's taught that when God pulled you out of the miry clay and he put your feet on a rock and he saved you, he put a song in your heart. There is a song that God gave you that you can sing to him in praise. Ephesians 5 tells us, be not drunk with wine when it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And immediately after that, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. There is something about a Spirit-filled 
life that there's a song in the heart. There's a song within us, and it's a song not to everyone else. It is a song to the Lord. It is a song offered to God as praise. It is a singing and a joy. That's what causes a Paul and a Silas to sing in the prison. It's at the lowest times of your life when you've been beaten and you've been rejected and you're tired and you're lonely and you don't know what to do. There's a song in the heart that sustains you. A song in the night that sustains you that comes from a clean spirit and a clean heart and a sacrificial life. It's what gets you through the low times. It's the song in the night that gets you through. What are you singing in your heart? Are you making melody to the Lord? Do you get up in the morning and sing His praise? I mean, we, we, have a, we have a salvation unlike anything. So great salvation. And when you get clean and you get right and the Holy Spirit is in you, there is a song that you offer to the Lord. Let me tell you what will sustain you. When you're going through times of loneliness, freshman, Start singing to the Lord. <laughs> I'll tell you this, I gotta, I gotta be done. There was a lady one time, she had a beautiful parakeet named Chippy. She loved Chippy. She got a brand new vacuum, beautiful vacuum. So she went to clean out Chippy's cage. It was a new vacuum, she didn't get the attachments on right, she was cleaning out the cage and to her dismay, she sucked up Chippy. And she said, oh no. Chippy's gone. She hurried up and she tried to figure out how to open this thing up. She opened it up, she pulled the bag out, and there's Chippy in the dust. She digs around, she pulls him out. Dust everywhere, hairballs on him. He's looking kind of crazy. In her dismay, she runs to the bathroom, she throws Chippy under the sink. She's washing this bird. She sets him on the counter. Chippy's all frazzled. He's sitting there, chirp, you know, he's just shivering like that. She's like, oh, he's so wet and cold. She grabs the hair dryer. She blows him off, he's like <laughs> She put him back in the cage and he's just on his little thing swinging. She was telling her friends later about what happened and somebody said, well, how is Chippy? She said, well, he's doing okay. He just doesn't sing anymore. You know what, when you go through life and you get sucked up, washed off, blown out, all of that, it's easy to lose your song. But when you're walking with God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you richly, you keep your song, and your song will sustain you in the night. Your song will sustain you in the darkness. It's a song to the Lord. I love this. But the people began to give, and they gave greatly. There was a great stewardship of the people. And look at verse number 36. And Hezekiah rejoiced. And all the people, look at it, look at it, that God had prepared the people. For the thing was done suddenly. Let me ask you a question. Are you filled with the Spirit of God today? Do you know if not, the thing can be done suddenly? You don't have to go out and fast and pray and get on a desert mountain. And, and I'm not against fasting and praying. You need to do that. But I'm just telling you, if you come to God, with a sincere heart, and you say, God, I've had the doors shut. I'm opening the doors to this temple. Anything that's in this life that's filthy, that doesn't look like Christ, I want it to be purged. Search me, O oh God, and try me. 
Lord, I'm confessing and I'm getting these things clean and right before you. I'm offering myself a living sacrifice. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to fill the temple. <laughs> You'll rejoice. And God will prepare you as his people and the thing will be done suddenly. It's a wonderful thing to be filled with the Spirit. It's a command to be filled with the Spirit. It's the only way that you can live the Christian life is to be filled with the Spirit. So today, let's live in a spirit of revival this year. Let's keep the temple clean. Let's keep it open to the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing to the Lord. Offer yourself daily to Him. And you'll rejoice. <laughs> you'll be prepared. And God will have a people for His temple.